Father, we just come to you. Come, Lord, speak to us. That voice that changes everything, Lord. In the era of the Chaldeans, Abraham heard your voice. That changed his life and changed history. In the wilderness of Horeb, Moses heard your voice and changed the history of your people. In the wilderness, John heard the voice and then he came out and he changed history. Everything, Lord, comes from hearing from you. I pray, Father, even today, somebody somewhere will hear what you are trying to tell us. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. For you alone have that words of life. Speak to us. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We've been looking at Moses, but primarily not at Moses, but how we apply the life of Moses, the call of Moses, the response of Moses to our own lives. Because God calls everybody. It's not that he doesn't call. He calls everybody. But everybody does not respond and so we learn through the lives of all these people and how the spirit of god is given and how we are called to occupy all this put it all together and apply it personally so we see when god calls moses at the age of 80 you see god knows when to speak to us we may say, Lord, why are you not speaking to me? <laughs> I know 80 years this man had to wait before God thought he was ready to hear. It's not enough that I think I'm ready to hear. God has to think I am ready to hear and God speaks. And, uh, and when God speaks, he thinks he's not ready, <laughs> but he's actually ready. So the first, uh, First uh, response, of course, is uh, the, that that uh, his heart, from his heart, his response is, "I'm unworthy. I'm unfit." You know, because this, and that happens to us. The sense of failure, like, comes in, uh, gets it starts the frame in which we start thinking. Failure. Who am I? Who am I? We are unfit, unworthy. Who am I? No, and uh, God's answer is, "I am with you." <laughs> See, His responses are not like what we think. Who am I? And we expect God to give an answer. This is exactly who you are: smart, educated, handsome, tall. God says, "No, I know who you are. You are Jacob, but I am with you." Okay, okay. <laughs> We even there we want a pat on our ego and God has to tell how smart you are and that's why I picked you. God says no, I know who you are. 
But that's not the answer. The answer is, I am with you. And I am with you. Okay, so please remember. That's why I said, no, we need to have this frame of mind where we will understand what God is trying to tell us. Because we want answers according to the idol in our heart. And God says, no, <laughs> this is who I am. Okay. And then his second question, of course, was, who do I say who you are? I don't really, okay, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that is 500 years ago. No? Like if you were to go and tell in, even in Kerala, uh, the God of Thomas, that was 2000 years ago. No? What do people know about Thomas? No. It's an unknown God. No. Unknown God. Okay. So, who do I tell? And God says, Go tell them I'm a God who will fit into all your circumstances. I am who I am. And also, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Moses, your forefathers. Okay? The patriarchs. He'll fit in. Now let's go to his third question. Go to Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1. The core of that question is primarily our question. Okay, when we have uh, dealt with one and two, our question, our struggle is with this. Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Okay, the question is, he is saying, he's voicing all our issues. On the face, surface value, if you look at it, we think he's uh, actually struggling with the unbelief of the people who he will go to. But he's basically verbalizing his own unbelief. And that is our primary struggle. Struggle. Okay, that's the struggle the children of Israel also face. Okay, you did this, but can you? <laughs> okay, you br- you, okay, you brought us through pandemic, but can you? Bring us through the famine that is coming. No, we can claim all the promises. Exodus 15, 26. You are the Lord that healeth me. You heal all my diseases. You sent all that for the pandemic. What about the next one that is coming? And then when tribulation comes, what about that? When persecution comes, what about that? You know, one by one by one by. And we struggle and we we look down upon the children of Israel in the wilderness without realizing, no, these are pictures given about our own personal struggles. And this is the struggle of every child of God. And the reason is, we are called. This is not the struggle of the people in the world. This is the struggle of God's people. Because we are called only to one kind of life. That is a life of faith. It's the only kind of life God accepts. Okay? Thou shall live by faith. And that's what he's teaching them in the wilderness. You shall live by faith. Yet you live in a world that functions entirely by sight. Okay? It's not just like swimming in water. It's like swimming in oil. Okay? A fellow who does not know how to swim, forget him putting him into water. You're put into oil. It's resistance all the way. How do I live by faith in a world that lives only by sight? And that's what it, oh, exactly the questions you are asked to question in the science classes. The what and the how and the why and the where and all. No? 
And here you are asked to believe. And then you will know what and where and why and how and when and all that only comes after you believe. If you believe, you will see. So the battle with faith or unbelief is actually real. And Moses is just verbalizing it for all our sakes. And poor man had to write out all this. He wrote it. Okay. No, he's one man who's asked to write all his failures. Everything. When we write our autobiography, it's all whitewashed. It is not. It's all real. Even the disciples themselves who walked with Jesus struggled with this constantly or consistently they struggled with unbelief and they're walking with Jesus. So please excuse Moses. Okay? And often we are like that father of that demon possessed child in Mark 9. And Jesus told the father in Mark 9 verse 23 and in 24. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, when we hear that, we say, that's the verse I was looking for. All things are possible to him who believes. And then actually the truth is this. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. (laughs) You're, You're just, I mean, just think about it. This is your child and it's demon possessed and throwing him violently. It's a life and death situation. If he goes on like this, he knows he'll lose his child. His child will die. Okay. And Jesus is telling, all you need is faith. All you need is faith. Okay. All you need is faith. Think about the situation. All you need is faith. And what do you say? I have no faith. Then you can't have your miracle. Lord, I believe. But you also realize you don't believe. I believe, but I don't know whether I have enough faith to handle this situation. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. We too are confronted with this reality. Okay, Lord, I believe, but I don't know whether they will believe when I go back. No? Because Constant thing. I, I believe all of us have gone through it, going through it, that when we have won one battle, the next one looms up. And we find our faith is ineffective against it. And the disciples themselves later privately will ask Jesus, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out the demon? Now remember he was elsewhere and he comes and the other disciples were there try and they failed completely. In chapter 9, verse 28 and 29. When he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Because he said, if you have faith, it was possible. And they realized, maybe there's something lacking in their faith. And Jesus said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. He says, you know what? And suddenly you see another facet of faith. How do you increase or strengthen your faith? You need to realize praying, fasting and praying. Praying and fasting aids your faith. It strengthens your faith. Remember, these are all spiritual weapons. Okay, remember, at the core, it is faith. It's not prayer. Because it's a prayer that is offered in faith that availeth much. It's not prayer because everybody prays. And almost nothing happens. But a prayer that is offered by faith. Okay, so your prayer 
and your fasting is to aid your faith. Aid your faith. Okay, that is even when praying and not giving up. So what is that? It is faith that does not give up. Sometimes we put so much uh, stress and importance on prayer, which is good. But the actual fact fact of it is, it is faith. Prayer aids your faith. Fasting aids your faith. And if you pray and fast without faith coming in, it's all a waste of time and a waste of uh, energy, you know, and simply going hungry. Okay? Remember, these are all spiritual weapons and we are at war 24-7 with spiritual powers of wickedness. And God is teaching Moses. And Moses will have to learn all these lessons. Okay? Because he is going to lead a set of skeptical, unbelieving crowd. Okay? And Moses that we see in Exodus 3 and 4. In chapter 3 and verse 4. No, not words for three and four chapters, three and four, will actually become a man of prayer and fasting. Right? He'll become a man of man of prayer and fasting. Unbelievable. He will never wield a sword. Others will wield swords. And they will all win because of his faith, his prayer life, and his fasting. He doesn't have to wield a sword. Others will. And others will all realize their victory is entirely dependent upon this man's faith, fasting, and prayer. Okay? So, always remember, when we see him first, before the burning bush, he's struggling with unbelief. But that's not what he will become. Okay? So, God always sees what we can become. Like when he tells Gideon, Fear and unbelief. Like, you know, who am I? The youngest, weakest, everything. God says, mighty warrior. That's what you can become. Okay, what do you become? And he sees this struggling man at 80. That's not what he will become. Okay. So the question is, why did God wait 40 years before he could call Moses? Okay. Why did he wait 40 years? Because he was preparing him for a task that was lying ahead, bringing out a people out of bondage and leading them to their destiny. After the call of Abraham, this was the next great call of God on a man. Okay? The struggle of Moses with unbelief is our own struggle. And God's solution it's the same for everyone. He doesn't have a different solution for Moses and a different solution for one. But the call is the same. In Exodus 3.10, this is God's solution. Come now, therefore I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Lord, India is suffering. Lord, please answer. He says, good, I've come. In answer to your prayer. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now you go. All our answers, we don't realize. Okay? That's why God is speaking now. Okay? 
God is speaking. He's hearing. Come now, therefore. Leave the rest of it, all that. But now you see, actually, now, 310 is personalized. Come now, I will send you. I'll send you. That's when faith comes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. It's not what you're hearing now. It is in the middle of this, there will be something that is very personal. And you know God is speaking to you. How will you respond to that? No. And we wish we could hear like Moses. That God would actually appear in a burning bush and speak to us. <laughs> okay. But God is still speaking. He always has spoken. He's still speaking. Let's go to Romans 10, 17. Now listen carefully, okay? So then, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. The Bible only says faith comes by hearing. It does not say faith stays by hearing. Faith comes from hearing. And faith stays only by doing. And if there is no doing in your faith, the faith that came by hearing, it also goes. It doesn't stay. Okay? And that is to what God is trying to get Moses to. You're hearing, you're hearing, you're hearing, you're hearing, but until you do it, it's not going to stay. A lot of people have heard, all of us have heard for years and years and years, and the faith has not stayed. We heard, but it did not stay because we did not do. If we do not practice what we hear, faith will leave. Jesus did not say it is not the one who hears. He says the one who hears and does. Okay, hears and does. And if you look at faith, okay, if you look at, especially in Romans chapter 10, if you look at faith, it has many parts to it and every part is important. The first part is that I hear. The second part is that I believe. The third part is that I speak. I speak. Why is speaking so important? Speaking is so important. That means you have retained what you have heard. What you have heard. Let's uh, like uh, we speak through the week, but Sunday is there. Can you remember what you heard on Sunday? Because you cannot speak if you haven't remembered. And speaking is the proof that you have retained what you have heard. I'm not talking about the message as such. Okay, the old sermon. I'm not talking about this sermon. But what God spoke to you on a Sunday message or any message. Has your mind retained it? Because scripture says the word that can save you is very near you. Very near you. So near. If you believe in your heart. And confess with your mouth. If you confess with your mouth, meaning that word was retained. Right? Two two sir. See? Six six sir. How you see it? Why? Why is six six sir thirty six? 
Did you need a calculator? No. But didn't you hear this how many years back? If you are 40 years old, you probably heard this 32, at least 30 years earlier. It's been retained. It's been retained. And therefore, you are able to speak it just like that. It's been retained. Okay? But that's not enough. That's not enough. No? Supposing you go to buy something and you need eight pens. And each pen is eight rupees. And you give a 50 rupee note. You expect 14 rupees back. Otherwise, it does not, it's only been retained in your head. It has not been translated into life. If he gives you 10 rupees back and you say thank you and go back, it was just a thought. It was not, you did not understand it. It has not become life. It has become life when you tell him 4 rupees more. So you got it. So God says, you know, faith comes from hearing. And you believe. You speak because you retained it and you do it. And you do it. Okay, so he's taking Moses through these steps because only God knows each one. You know, God knows how many years Jacob needs. God knows how many years Abraham needs. You know, he doesn't tell Abraham, come, walk before me blamelessly until he reaches 99. Because he knows, he knows he can't. He can't. Though we Teach these things. We don't expect you to do these things. And when you fail, we, I don't get upset with you. My job is to teach you. And it's God's job to see when you are ready to keep it. It is, does not mean you cannot. But it means that I cannot sit there and say, Oh, I preached last Sunday. How come nobody followed? <sighs> you know? So at 99, God tells Abraham, Walk before me and blameless. Not at 98. Not at 90. Not at 75. When he entered the promised land. Okay. If you, if it, the age factor uh, is right, no. It's at 40 God speaks to Jacob when he's running away. Okay. It's at 60 he tells him, I will change your name. He doesn't intervene anywhere in between and says, you know, I know what you did 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. He's not ready. He's not ready. Of course, that's old covenant, new covenant. You can speed things up a lot because of the Holy Spirit and being born again. But please understand this. God alone knows. God alone knows. So, so even when we preach, we preach by faith, not by sight. If you preach by sight, we'll be upset and irritable and offended and upset. Why are this congregation not changing? God will say, hang in James, how many years did you take to reach here? Oh Lord, 35. And how many years have been, you, they been there in your church? Oh, yes Lord. Okay, be calm down. Okay. And don't you still goof off? Yes. Am I not merciful with you? Yes. So he says, chill. Okay, turn with me to Luke chapter 17, verses 1 to 11. Okay. Then he said to disciples, it is impossible. Possible no offenses should come. Okay? Now when God says impossible, it's impossible. 
Meaning he says, you will be offended as you go through life because you're living with flesh and blood, even within the church. It's all flesh and blood everywhere, family, church, office, society, everywhere you will face this. But woe to him through whom they do come. He says, try as far as possible not to be the person who offends. Offenses will come, but you don't have to be offensive. He is putting a protective layer for us because he says, if you become the person who offends, then I'll have to deal with you. It would be better for him a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that you should not offend one of these little ones. Okay, when he talks about little ones, primarily he's talking not just about children. It's about the children in the church. That's why Paul was upset. He stood up and he confronted Peter right in his face because the little ones were falling because of his behavior. Because of his behavior. He says, you know, these are all Gentile believers in Galatia. And they're all young. They're all young. And they don't know their right from their left. They don't know the law. They don't understand anything. They're so happy that they have been, they have been, uh, like, you know, come to the Lord and everything. And then these Judaizers have come from James and Peter is moving on. And then Barnabas is moving on. And you see, after all, there was an effect of it all. Even though he stands and confronts, let us say, there were 50 people actually or 100 people in the church. The day he confronted, there were only 20. 80 were in there. You see, once an error comes in, it is so difficult to correct an error. Because in Galatians chapter 3, he will ask them, how come you, you who started in the spirit has gone into the law? And who taught them that? Peter. Peter. And Barnabas. We see an incident where Paul, that doesn't mean correction took place in everybody's heart immediately. And that's what he's talking about. Errors will come. But he says, be careful. Be careful. Because starting in the spirit and going into the law is very offensive in God's sight. It is making the death of his son null and void. Okay, we need to realize what is offensive in God's sight. <laughs> you know, imagine you start in the spirit and go back to the law. We are saying your son died in vain. Okay. And then let's go further. <clears throat> Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. Okay. Okay. Now we are again coming to faith. And here again, look at the context. Okay. What? I mean, this is in which chapter? Chapter? You know what all they did before this? They healed the sick, cast out. They did everything. Everything. And they never said increase of it. So it's not these people are unbelieving. They have faith, they have power, they have anointing which he has given them and they're done miracles. Okay. But when they, they suddenly realized as they are walking with Jesus, they realize there are areas in our life for which we do not have the faith. Okay. And we need to understand and be humble like them. Look, there are so many areas in my life I still do not have the faith. And it is a very strange thing, no? And they're very upfront with Jesus, Lord, forgive seven times a day. Literally, will make it seventy. Lord, so they realize they. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm, it's really sweet of them to actually say, Lord, you know, we got an unforgiving spirit. Okay, 
So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat? But will you not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, gird yourself, serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you when you have done all those things which you were commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what is our duty to do. Now what is Jesus actually telling you? Telling us magic? Or if that, what he was, if you go to verse 6, you know, if, uh, if you take it literally, then we don't need farmers and all these people to clear our garden. No, just stand there and say, I command this grass to go up. It Go like that. Does it, Apu, does your garden work like that? No, no, it doesn't work like that. No. So he's not talking magic here, okay? <coughs> no. No, he's not talking about clearing the ground and all this thing about so. He's telling us something over here. He says, if you cannot speak it, I have not retained it. And have not acted on it. My faith is still ineffective. Don't forget the context from chapters 1 to 10. The entire thing is exercising your faith to forgive. Actually the whole thing, the context in it is connected with meaning. Even if you look at how does the servant and all this thing comes. He says, you know, do you know when you don't forgive? Because you believe you are worthy and the other person is unworthy. We can have many, many lessons from these ten verses, but don't forget the context. The whole context is kind of why? That's where he begins with. I am unworthy. I'm unworthy. Okay? Moses begins with. Okay? So please remember when you think about faith, Jesus is teaching them deep lessons, very, very deep lessons. He says, you know what, children? He's telling his disciples, you will hit roadblocks in your life when you're walking with me because this is a walk of faith. Guard your heart. The biggest roadblock you will all face is with this in forgiving because the entire life is about relationships. It's not about works. And you will have to work at this. And I will tell you how you can work at this. What are the attitudes you know? You know? And Moses did not know he was being prepared all these years to lead a set of people out of bondage. They will be people who were slaves all their lives. Of Satan and sin. They will have to be carried through. Literally. See, he came from the, from the royal courts of Egypt. Can you imagine? Do you know what he is like? You know? I mean, as a baby, he was taken into the royal courts. He and the children of Israel, though they are of the same blood, is like chalk and cheese. You are cheese, called to save chalk. You cannot save cheese, chalk, unless you are made into chalk. That's why he allowed him 
to run into the certain Midian. Okay, if you look at the whole thing, he kills and uh, he has to, Pharaoh knows, he runs and then he is waiting by the well and Zephyrah and the sisters are there and they come for water, the shepherds drive them off, his zeal comes, he drives those shepherds off and gets and he ends up marrying who? Who is Zipporah? A shepherdess. Who is Zipporah? She's not from the royal courts. She's not going to college or school. She's got no education. He is the prince of Egypt, has married a common girl. Why? To bring him down to that level. Bring him down to that level. Live with her. She may be a simple, like, if you look at him and look at her, she must be a simple, loudmouth, crass, not refined. <laughs> After all the ladies in the palace, the princesses, the courtiers, you know? Imagine you have a PhD in literature uh, from Oxford and you're sent to a village near Ramagundam to meet minister. And you suddenly realize it will not work there. Even if there is two people who understand English, they don't understand your accent. The only way they will understand is you speak now in a Telugu accent. You have to become like one of them. You see what God is doing with him? God, he's making him like one of them. Okay. And he has to have faith. He has to become one of them. That's what scripture means about Jesus. He became like one of us. He had to be made in all respects like one of his brethren. And Moses had to be. He came like Jesus who came from the throne of heaven. This guy came from the throne of Egypt. And that's one of the most Splendid thrones in the world. Egypt was the foremost nation of that time. In splendor, wisdom, everything. Brought him down. And he has to grow in faith. And carry these people literally through. And literally for 40 years, that entire nation walked on the faith of one man. The faith of one man. The entire nation walked. God had to build him up. And God cannot build him up first until he has emptied him. We will say, Lord, fill me. Lord, God says, empty first. Empty first. Forty years it took him to empty him. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in the Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness. Okay, now the 30 is talking about what would happen later. In the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place. He says, you know how God carried you? God carried you like a father carries his son. But the people never saw that. The only father they saw was Moses. It was Moses who carried them. God was in his heaven carrying them. And Moses was on earth carrying them. He was the father who carried them. But he didn't become father in one day. <laughs> he had to be made one. He had to be made one. No. There's a heavenly reality, spiritual reality, and there's an earthly reality. And for those people... 
Moses was their father. And you know what they were? They were all temper tantrum throwing children. And he took it. He took it. You know, when you have a small child, you know the tantrums they throw? You don't spank the child. You take it. You just take it and carry it through. Sometimes it is just a bubble in his stomach. That's all. Keeps you up all through the night. Do you throw the baby away? You do you spank the baby? No. You carry it this way, that way, upside down. You walk up and down and you make your musical sounds and you're half asleep. You don't stop. That was Israel that came out of Egypt. Okay. It came out of Egypt. And God carried them. God says, but on earth, who carried them? It was not God. It was God through Moses. And if you look at Moses, Moses at the end actually had the heart of God. And that's what God was doing. And God was dealing with Moses. Okay. And if you look at that portion in Luke 17 verses 1 to 5, no? Moses had started here. Moses has started here. He was offended. He was offended. He was offended. He was offended with the people. He was afraid. He was offended. Okay, because you mean, I mean, if you have left the throne and sided with the slaves and the slaves don't recognize your sacrifice, who made you judge over us? See, there are two things which we need to realize, okay? Two dangers we have to realize. One is pride. Because if you are not proud, you will not be offended. If you are offended, you are proud. And then when you fall down, fall down, fall down, there is a stage, okay? This is pride, you come down. After this, if you go down, you go into depression. God in his mercy will always touch the man at the right time before he falls down into depression. Moses is ready to fall into depression. Okay, from there, 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 you come down, 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 okay, and you come to. But if you go further down, you go into depression. After you go into depression, it's very difficult because now you cannot be used. Now the whole ministry, you are swallowing it up. Okay, so you have to be very careful about these two things. Both are dangerous. One is here, one is here, and God wants us to be here. Okay. God cannot use an offended man. That is Moses at 540. And God cannot use a depressed man. That is where he is at the verge of 80. Offense and pride go together. Fear, low esteem, self, low esteem and depression go together. That's why we are called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And people with low esteem, depression is unable to love anybody. They are not able to love anybody. Because they have no eyes for anybody. They have only eyes for themselves. They only are miserable people. Miserable people. In 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 3 to 4. 
When he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. Went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. Left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a tree. All Elijah can think is the history of Israel. And he knows about all the generation after generation after generation has only failed. And he says, you know what? I am no better. Depressed. He's depressed. He's about to fall into depression. Moses is also ready almost to fall. And you know, you need to realize how God will intervene in his servant's life at the right time. And how he deals with them all gently. He's very patient. How many questions Moses asks? God answers every one of these questions. You look at Elijah. You look at Gideon. Fearful, depressed. Sitting in a wine press, threshing wheat, depressed. Fearful. Elijah, fearful, depressed. But God is very, very patient with them. Very patient with them. Very gentle with them. Answers all their questions. Feeds Elijah. Come, get up, eat. Come, get up, eat. Gives him time. Walk, think, reflect. Doesn't speak to him in any loud voice. Speaks to him in a whisper. If he shouts at him, he will fall. He's ready. Gideon, how many fleeces? No problem. I understand. Understand. Building the faith up. Moses, five questions. No problem. And that's one of the things. Eh? Love is patient, we say. And God deals very lovingly with his servants. Because they are weak vessels. And they have to be handled when they are weak very, very carefully. Because if you press a little hard, they will break. And he's building their faith up. Because without faith, you can do nothing. You can do nothing for God. Exodus chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. He shows. Okay, we saw one. Uh, says, they won't believe, Moses said. What do I say? So God asked him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. Shepherd stuff. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. You know? He showed him something. About something he was very familiar with. You know, he had been carrying this stick probably for how many years, we don't know. It looks such a... Sometimes we get so familiar with the stuff we have in our life without realizing the power it has. Moses do one thing. Put it down. It became a serpent. And we are called to be wise like the serpent. Moses, did you see this? What have you been holding in your hand? We are called to be wise as a serpent, but gentle as a dove. Forty years ago, you had it. The problem was, you were not gentle as a dove. You were harsh like a wolf. So I couldn't use you. I couldn't use you. I couldn't use you. The problem was that not that you did not have the wisdom or the, the talent or the skill or the capacity to use. 
I mean, anybody can cut a stick. Now, you don't have to wait for 80 years to get, get a stick. You can get it at any time in your life. You can get a stick. So that is not the issue. The issue is that you cannot get that heart that to go with the stick. So I was waiting for you to have that heart to go with that stick. Okay. He said, now pick it up. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. It became a rod. Now what had happened, the rod had fallen on many, many times. Definitely, all of us know if you have a rod, you will put it on the ground when you go home and all your this. You leave it on the ground. But that never changed the rod. For the first time, the rod had kept on holy ground. God said, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. Now when he took it out, the nature of the rod has changed. Says so you are always talented. But neither have you stood on holy ground, nor have you put what you had in your hand on holy ground. Okay. Now God says, what you always had, always had, will be used for God's glory and God's purpose. But the major block it's not what you do not have. You have the faith to deliver these people. Moses, you always had the faith to deliver these people. I saw you walking in the desert with this rod. The same rod I will use. Maybe you had this rod for 20 years or 30 years. The same rod I am going to use. That means you always had that faith to deliver my people. But there was something blocking that faith from flowing. Something blocking that faith from flowing. Verse 6. Furthermore, the Lord said, Now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, his hand was leprous like the snow. He said, I want to show you something. One thing I want to show you. Be very, very clear. I'm not sending you to a set of people because you're better than them. I'll first show you. I'm not asking you, put your hand on your head. I'm asking you to put your hand on your heart. I'll show you the nature of your heart. This is who you are. This is who you are. The issue, Moses, is 40 years I could not use you. The issue was with your heart. And in your heart, you are still offended. You are still offended. You are offended they rejected you. They rejected you. You are offended they rejected your sacrifice. You must have been thinking, Joseph ascended to the throne and rescued his people. I descended from the throne to rescue and you rejected me. Go into your collective history. What you call your racial unconsciousness. We call that in literature. Okay, these are all theories. Okay, which is there, racial unconsciousness. No, you go back and you say, no, you know, you always, when people reject you, what comes into your mind is all the sacrifices you made for them. In the book of Hebrews, lists the sacrifices. 
If you look at the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you don't have to go there, and you have starting from the men of faith, from Abel onwards, and going to an innumerable company, and you will see six verses are given for Abraham, and six verses for Moses. Two important people. So that we learn from their lives. Okay. In your heart, Moses, you are still offended. And God I was telling in Luke 7, it's impossible that offenses will not come. It is impossible. Offenses will come. Tribulations will come. That also he said. Tribulation will come. Offenses will come. What is he trying to teach us through all this? Moses, I'm going to use you as an object lesson. Offenses will come. Tribulations will come. And he who endures till the end shall be saved. So to endure till the end, what do you need? A heart that does not keep a record of offenses. Otherwise, you will not endure. He will not endure. The first time he was offended, he was disqualified from entering into the promised land. And he was offended. He was offended. That's why he hit the rock. Must we, you rebels? God said, off. He was not disqualified as a believer. He was disqualified as a leader who could lead them. So he had to die. Because he cannot now go back and follow under Joshua. That's not possible. So God says, you have to die. You cannot lead them anymore. You cannot lead them anymore. Because remember, every leader is a prototype of Jesus Christ. You represent him. You don't have a life of your own. There are followers and there are leaders. He was not disqualified as a believer. No, he was not. He was disqualified as a leader. And he couldn't lead anymore. He was was offended because of their words. Their rejection. Yet he's not upset about his own action. He's not upset about his own action. He's not upset at the fact that he killed an Egyptian. He's not upset about that. That's what God is talking about. And this is what he's telling his disciples. Go to Luke chapter 17, 3 to 4. And Jesus gives a solution. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. We love it. We love it because there is one thing we are told to do, that is rebuke him. So we love it. Who doesn't like rebuking? We are always looking for somebody younger or smaller than us to rebuke them. Even a little child, once it is three years old and there is another one born, the third year old is rebuking the smaller one. What we don't see, what Jesus is talking about, we don't see, see, we, we, we read what is written in the letter and we do not see what is written in the spirit. In the, what is written in the spirit is the very purpose or the heart behind the rebuke is hoping that he would change. 
You are not rebuking him because you are offended. No. You are rebuking him because you want him restored. That is your heart. Because if you rebuke him because you are offended, then you are wrong, he's wrong. Both are wrong. No? Not because they trespassed against you. Not because your transgent is against you. It's because you look at him and you realize is, okay, if he goes this way, he's, he'll go into danger. I am not offended by what he says, but he may meet others who may be offended and he may never change his lifestyle at all. And it will ultimately lead him to hell. No? In Mark chapter 11, Verse 23 to 24. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Boom. He brings faith over there, he says. You hear, you believe, you retain, you speak. And it will come to pass. And then he brings 25 and 26 and puts the cross over there. But whenever you stand pray, he brings the cross. Whenever you stand pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. If you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespass. You know what he's talking about? He says, do you know what is the primary f- block of anything flowing out of your lives? This is unforgiveness. He says, Moses, you have this rod. You have the faith to bring the people out. But I could never use you because your heart is blocked. Somebody somewhere and all has offended us. He said, let go. Let go. You know, marriages cannot be restored because the problem is too big. No, it's offense. Homes cannot be restored. Of course he can be restored. He came to restore. But you know why? Offense. Choices cannot be restored. Of course. From the individual to a nation can be restored. If you let go of offenses. It was in this context the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith. Once Moses' heart was clear, then this rod is enough to deliver them. Deliver them. That's all that is enough to deliver them. That's all you need. Does not matter. That's all you need. Because God is not looking at what is in your hand. In other words, rewrite the sentence and not as a question. Anything in your hand will do if your heart is clear. Anything. Hundreds and thousands of Philistines on one side, hundreds and thousands of Israelites on one side, nobody willing to fight, nobody can be used because everybody's heart is messed up. In the middle of it comes a young boy whose heart is clear and clean. God says, you are five stones, one stone and that sling is enough. That's enough. You know why? Because when I look into your heart, your heart is clear. You are not offended even with your brothers who are calling you proud and, and turn away and walk away. You are not offended. It doesn't bother you. 
And when the king tries to put the armor and all, it doesn't even get into your head. You are very humble and say, Lord, I cannot walk in this place. So you have neither pride nor offense. Your heart is clean. Go, son. You can get that giant down. It's not a problem. What's in your hand is enough. Now, it's your companies which will keep on telling, upgrade your skills, upgrade your skills, upgrade your skills. God is saying, clean your heart, clean your heart, clean your heart. What skill you have is enough. You just go with it. I'll keep upgrading it. You don't worry. But work on your heart. Watch your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. That's all you need. That's why the kingdom of God does not work like the kingdom of the world. And because we live in the kingdom of the world, it's always about hard work and skill and upgrading and this thing and that thing. And I see also pastors. You know, they have a BTH and then MTH and then DD and this. I mean, half their life is spent in acquiring degrees for what? And then when you preach, nobody even listens. Moses had no degree. God was waiting for his heart to be cleaned up. The word is in our heart. What can save you, what can restore you is so close to you. The word, if it's believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you are saved. But the block is in the heart. The block is in the heart and God says, can you deal with that block please? And he says, it's impossible for offenses not to come because you are living in the midst of flesh and blood. And Moses, you're going to get offended. You will know he will become the most forgiving guy in that lot. He'll be offended by everybody, including his elder brother and sister. Because the church is full of children, family. Unless God says it is dealt with, it can have disastrous consequences. Can have disastrous. You don't deal with your heart. What is in your hand will bring forth death. If you deal with your heart, what is in your hand will bring forth life. And that's what Paul is saying. We are ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, not of death, but of life. It is not what you have in your hand. It's what is in your heart that will determine what happens with what you use in life. Will it bring forth life or will it bring forth death? 4.10 Moses says Moses said Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. What is he saying? I am unable, Lord. I am unable. I am unfit. Unwilling. Unbelieving. No, I am unwilling. Look at this and contrast it with Acts chapter 7 verse 22. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Who is this? Same man. At 40. And what is he at 80? Now, this both can't be lies. Both are true. This is also true. That is also true. What it is? Learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Mighty in words and deeds. And what is he in 410? I'm not eloquent. Neither before 
not since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Question is, this is also true. How did you become like this? This is a result of holding unforgiveness in your heart. An offense in your heart. This is the result. You slowly deteriorate inside. And you know how many people have just become vegetables sitting in armchairs, doing nothing, because they are holding something in their heart and cannot be used by God anymore. Just sitting there and whiling away, unable to be used. And God raised him before he became that. If God hadn't touched him at the right time and left him like that, he would have become one of those armchair critics. That's what God is talking about. Your mouth and the words that come out of your mouth are your primary weapons you use to occupy till he comes. And what is he saying? I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. How are you going to occupy? How are you going to occupy? Your prayer will have no power. Your praise will have no power. Your proclamation will have no power. And we saw on Sunday evening, your witness will have no power. You see? 80 years of his life is over. And he hasn't done one thing for God yet. 80 years of his life is over. Three, two quarters, two thirds is over. He lives for 120 years. Two thirds of his life. If a man lives to 60 years, he's 40. If a man lives for 90 years, he's 60. Sometimes you wonder why did God call, speak to Moses only when you were 600 years old? Because it took him that long to get him ready. And 40 years God kept him in the desert. And he had no witness. He had no witness in the desert. Do you know 40 years of life, how many verses do you have? Nothing. He came little well. The women were there. The shepherds came. He chased the shepherds, gave them water. The father said, why didn't you bring him home? Brings him home. He marries Zipporah. And then he has a child. He names a child. Even the second one's name is not given there at all. It's Gershom, which means I was an alien in this wilderness. A name also, depressive name he gives that fellow. There's nothing positive that comes out of his mouth. Everything that is coming out of his mouth is negative. Everything that is coming out of his mouth is negative. You know why? Because he got offended. He got offended. And then you couldn't deal with your offense because you're far away from that people so you couldn't take it on on them. So you are here and now you become depressive. And everything that you opens your mouth and you say is depressive. Who am I? What is your name? They will not believe. I cannot speak. Finally, God got irritated with him. <laughs> He's like that Vinny that Pooh that Ayur is there. No? Ah, yeah, Ayur. He is the Ayur in the book of Exodus. Three and four. He is Ayur. If, you, if when he tells it's nice and sunny, he'll say afternoon it will rain. <laughs> so I'm not coming out. No. This is what he can do. No? And these are the things, we look at their lives and look at their wasted years. 
waste because god doesn't push and prime any man before his time he allows situations to work this out in our lives and the way god dealt with moses is the only way to restoration first moses needed to be shown the state of his heart moses you are no better than anybody else the problem with 40 you thought you were chosen because you were the cat's whiskers Moses you don't realize you were chosen when you were in your mother's womb before you had done anything that's what it means even before you were formed in your mother's womb i chose you what does it mean oh you'll say oh wow i was chosen you don't understand what it means there was nothing in you for me to choose you you were chosen before you were born you didn't do one thing for me to choose you it was out of my sovereignty and divine mercy i chose you because everybody was formed in their mother's womb i did not choose them i chose you so don't think i chose you because there was something you did no the very very humbling thing for a man who's reached the peak and at 40 years reached the peak of his career prince of egypt mighty in words mighty in deeds the people rejected him but he does not realize it was god who rejected him through the people if it was god who sold joseph through the hands of his brothers the narrative in genesis and the narrative in the book of psalms then it was also god who rejected him at 40 through the mouth of his brethren why you are unfit you are unfit that's how you see the sovereignty of god you are unfit because god will never feed into our ego who am i no oh, you don't know you don't know moses who are you you are just what you are nobody who am i that i should go he was expecting oh you don't know who you are I was there in the corridors of the palace with you. I was sitting next to you when you were listening to these fantastic lectures on warfare and all. Don't you know who you are? Have you forgotten Moses? You are prince of Egypt, specially chosen. God doesn't say any of those things. He says, "Who are you? Nobody. I am who I am. I will come with you." Who do I say I sent? Oh, just go and say, the God of Moses. No. I am who I am. Okay. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Meaning, a covenant keeping God. A covenant keeping God. Not that Abraham was great, Isaac was great, or Jacob was great. But God is great. They were unfaithful, he is still faithful. So go tell them, he is a covenant keeping God. He is a faithful God. Don't try to put in there the God of Moses up here. Don't try to do that. He doesn't give anything to inflate Moses in any of the answers. Any of the answers. If you look at any of the answers, God will never answer ourselves. Who am I? Oh, so sorry, Moses. Let me re re cant for you or or see bring to your memory your resume. why i specially chose you nothing like that who will i say moses name doesn't come there at all what if they won't believe lakdi se ho jayega 
It's very humbling, no? What will God say? Okay, Moses, according to your special skills, I have a very glittering sword for you. That's how in all our Puranas and everything, it is a special weapon. Everybody has a special weapon. Okay, our God, when he sends people, no special weapon, ordinary stick, sling, stone and all. Because if you have a special weapon, then you will take the glory. This is the problem. We all want that some reflected glory. What's in your hand? You don't realize it's a very humbling question. What's in your hand? What does that mean? Everybody is equal before God. Faith is an equalizer. Anybody can have faith. The only issue that matters is the heart. What's in your hand? It's irrelevant. What does it mean? It doesn't mean you don't have to have the skill of Peter and the voice of Peter to worship. You just need faith. You don't need to do, have done a PhD in English to preach in English. No. D.L. Moody's, most of his messages still have grammar mistakes if you go check the manuscripts. None of these things matter. The only thing that matters is faith. And it's an equalizer. It is not the rod that brought the people out. It was faith that wielded the rod. That's what God is saying. Everybody is saying. Do you have faith? And is your heart clean? So the faith flows. So it flows consistently. You look at so many of the people, they flowed for a little time and then they stopped. The person never changed. Today what is it? Gifts operate. People don't change. Moses, let go from your heart, Moses. Sit. See your heart and hand combination. No? Heart and hand. That's Psalm 23, right? Isn't Psalm 23? Where's 3 and 4? Who can ascend? 24 or 23, yeah. Yeah, 24-3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted his soul to an... Moses, you lifted your soul to an idol. You, were, you thought too much about yourself. That was your idol. I, me, myself, specially chosen to rescue the children of Israel because of my special skills. Now, your level... Ground zero. Now you are ready. But let me, before you go, let me show you the state of your heart and the state of your hand. And I will cleanse you, both your heart and your hand, and I will send you. But be careful, because don't tilt over to the other side. Then you will feel you are unequal to the task, because depression has sent in. So it shouldn't either be pride or depression. You know why Moses I'm sending you? Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 to 9. In in him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom 
and prudence. Having made to known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself. Can I have it in NIV so that a couple of words become a little easier for the new believers? One. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made to known us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ. Boy, you look at that three verses, it's loaded. The riches of God's grace, all his wisdom, all understanding, the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ, all is ours. All is ours. Can you believe it? It's all for everybody. You look at what is being told and you have to look at it in terms of heaven and what is ours in Christ Jesus. But you know why? Verse 7. Why? Because first we have the forgiveness for our sins. Only because of forgiveness. That's the reason. That's the reason. It all came freely because of the redemption through his blood. He paid the price. We received the the benefit, the forgiveness of our sins. Okay, And that's what God is saying. Faith comes from hearing. And Roma the block. Healing is yours. Psalm 103. Verse 3 and 4. He forgives. Yeah, 3 is enough. Forgives. All your sins and heals. We want that forgiveness out and just healing. God says, don't you realize? Forgiveness always goes ahead. For an individual, God says, you want healing? Forgiveness goes first. And then healing comes. Second Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive them. And we want healing for the land without forgiveness for the sins. God says, don't you realize that forgive, unforgiveness itself is the block? That's why people like Daniel, you won't find one sin that he has done mentioned in the Bible. But whenever they pray, they will first ask for forgiveness. Then only healing can come. Moses, you are going there to bring your people out. But you need need forgiveness first. (laughs) You've been sitting here and thinking those people need forgiveness. All these slaves, they need forgiveness. You don't realize in your heart you are a slave of sin. You need forgiveness first. In Philippians 3, verse 13 and 14. Another ex-murderer. These are all ex-murderers whom God uses. Okay. Moses was an ex-murderer. So was Paul. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now what he's talking about? He says... To reach forward, to press forward, 
I need to let go of the offenses of the past. Otherwise, I cannot press forward. That's what he's meaning. Forgetting those things that are behind. What are the things that are in the behind? Think about it. What are the things that, that are behind? We have to let go. Only offenses. Right? Right? Afu says yes. Only offenses. And if you can't let go of those things behind, you cannot press forward for the things that are ahead. God is calling Moses. He's telling Moses, do you know what is lying ahead of you? All of history. Moses has no clue. All of history, all of eternity, Moses will be known. Moses will be known. All of history. In heaven, they will sing the most song of Moses and the song of Jesus. All that is lying ahead of him. But none of them will come to pass if he doesn't let go. It's all. One thing in is your hand. Everything else I can do. If you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive. One thing. Yes, we all teach. One thing will not be taken away from Mary. And we'll say that she sat at Jesus' feet and listened. What if it was something else? And he looks into both their hearts and he'll say, you know what? Mary has no offense in her heart. And Martha, you are offended. That one thing will not be taken away from her. That's why she's able to hear. And you're not able to hear, though I'm in the house. What if it was that? We don't know. Unless we get rid of this, we'll not be able to go forward spiritually. You see, unlike an earthly race, in an earthly 100 meter dash, have you noticed? In a 100 meter dash, how does he finish? Full stretch, head first, right? In the kingdom of God, you don't finish like that. You finish heart first, not head first. It's heart first. God never looks at where my head has reached. And often my head is far ahead of my heart. Because we are studying all the time. (laughs) And the heart is trying to catch up. Because the more you know, the more you have to let go. The more you understand the nature of Jesus Christ, the image to which you have to conform, and your head is here, but your heart is here, and your heart is pumping, racing to catch up. You see, we complicate sometimes, we preachers sometimes complicate the life of Christ. It is not complicated, it's very simple. It's simply a life of faith available to anyone. Sometimes some of those people in those simple little churches are able to go far ahead of us spiritually because they take it by faith, forgive everybody and move on. Well, we have a head full of knowledge and a heart full of resentment and we reach nowhere. Because unfortunately we learned English. So we have all these translations before us. And we read it in English and we read all these pundits, Christian pundits. Now we read all of them. The other one who hardly knows how to read will listen to the pastor who says forgive and she forgives. And she, her prayer God hears. (laughs) 
So it doesn't matter whether you are a prince or a pauper, whether you are a wise man or an unlearned. It's simply by faith. And faith comes from, and not reading, by the way, hearing. Imagine if it was written, faith comes from reading. Half the world is out because they cannot read. And all the centuries passed, there was no books. So they couldn't read. It doesn't say that. It comes from hearing. Do you know how simple it is to hear? Increase our faith. The apostles pray. Jesus says, keep forgiving. They were expecting a mantra. <laughs> if you tell this mount, if you tell this mulberry tree, what was he talking about? He says, you know what? I'm not trying to tell you the impossible. It doesn't matter how deep-rooted that offense is. If you want to forgive, you can. It's an act of will. It's an act of will. You can. It doesn't matter. Mulberry tree's roots are spread everywhere. It is not like easy to pull out. No, it is not. So it doesn't matter how deep-rooted and how much it has spread. Like cancer. It does not matter. He says, simply don't be offended. <laughs> and don't be depressed. And you look at these people, Joseph, Moses, David, all had innumerable enemies. And they all became men after God's own heart. They became. And they all had the same pathway God had picked for them. Joseph, sold by his brothers. David, hunted by his brothers, his own people. Moses, despised by his own people. Not by Egyptians. But they became men after God's own heart. It's on Sunday. Look at Genesis 50, verse 20. Interesting verse. Read it, everybody, together. Yeah, that's enough. Read it again. Is it true? If you literally look at it, is it true? In in Joseph's life, is it true? It's not true. They did not mean evil. They did evil. But you can do no evil to a man whose heart is forgiving. You can only mean evil. God will take the evil and turn it around for good because your heart is clear. That's what he's saying. You cannot harm a person whose heart does not hold offense. Every arrow you throw at him, God turns it around and makes it to build him up. He didn't say, you did evil against me. You meant evil against me. You meant evil. That's how you have to look at life. If I keep my heart clear of offense, if I keep my heart and keep forgiving, there is no evil that can touch my life. It will turn around for my good. You meant it. He doesn't say you did it. The doing is in God's hands. That's why the narrative difference for people who do not know. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 106, if I am right. 
no, 105, and verse 17 and 18. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Doesn't say his brother sold him. Doesn't say. Says God sent a man. You know how different it sounds? How different it sounds? See, we like uh, gospel according to John, right? There was a man sent by God. There was a man sent by God. If a man is sent by God, it does not matter whether he is in irons or fetters. He is still sent by God. He is still God's spokesperson. What he has in his hands and his feet is irrelevant. He is still sent by God. That's what he's saying. You meant. But God did. You did. God did. You can mean any evil. That's what God says. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Every lying tongue that rises against you in judgment, you condemn. How can you condemn it? Unless your heart is clear. It will not come to pass, Lord. Whatever they say, whatever they do, nothing will come to pass in my life because I have forgiven them from my heart. I hold nothing against them. And you need to realize that one state of our heart will determine whether we occupy or not. Because we occupy with praise, with prayer, with proclamation, with witness. This is all. Everything is through the mouth. Ultimately. Everything is through the mouth. And of course, works also. But works without any of these things will have no no relevance. And God says, how is your heart? So God is telling Moses, you have no clue what that rod can do. All I have to do is cleanse your heart. God so loved the world. Everybody knows John 3.16? Answer, how do you know? Scripture-wise, how do you know God so loved the world? That's why people say the, 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 the greatest symbol of God's love is the cross. Okay? And what are the first words from the cross? That's how you know God loved you. We talk about justice and all. That is God's side. I don't look at God's side. I can't meet God's justice. I'm looking at God's love. How do we know God so loved me? What's the first words? It's forgiveness. That's how you and I know God so loved me. Because there on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. They do not know what they are doing. This is something which we have to realize. That's why God says, Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. They shall obtain mercy. Okay. How can I obtain mercy? How can that scripture in Lamentations be true for me? Your mercies are new every morning. It's new for every morning, but it is not new for me. It's not new for me. Unless, you know, so you look at, you look at Moses, 40 years, every day was the same. Nothing different. You know how people's lives are? It's like walking in the wilderness. The same, the same, the same, the same. Yet scripture says it is new. The mercies are new, but they never experience it. You know why? Because they have never extended it. 
this day, from this day onwards, it's going to be different. Life is never going to be the same for Moses. You know why? Because God is going to teach him to walk in mercy. Walk in mercy. A set of stiff-necked people. And he will become Numbers 12 and verse 3. The Bible will actually record. Everybody knows that verse by very well by now. Moses was a very humble. More than all the men who were on the field. How do you know somebody is humble? Yes. That's the key. How do you know you are humble or not? I mean, we all need a proof of something. No, Lord, I want to be humble. Lord, I want to be humble. God says, are you still offended? Because a humble man never gets offended. Never gets offended. I mean, it doesn't take, he gets offended by unrighteousness. He doesn't personally never gets offended. Jesus was never personally offended. He got by unrighteousness of this thing and the father's name being, but personally, he never got offended. It didn't bother him at all. That's the key. You see, we all want to be like Joshua. We love the book of Joshua. I love the book of Joshua. For me, that's spiritual warfare. All the lessons are spiritual warfare. Not all. Many, many lessons of spiritual warfare you learn from the book of Joshua. And we want to be that Joshua generation that marches in battle formation, stop the sun and the moon and brings... Is that true? (laughs) But you know, there is no Joshua generation if there was no Moses. There was, if there wasn't a Moses who carried nothing in his heart, every day pleaded with God for this set of people, there would have been no Joshua generation. Do you know if you read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, Joshua's name is not mentioned. Rehab is there. The people are there that they walked and the walls came down. Joshua's not even mentioned. Do you know why? Because Joshua represents Jesus' battle in the heavenly realm. And Moses represents Jesus' life on earth. And Hebrews 11 is a record of faith on earth. Jesus won an incredible battle over there. We don't know what happened over there. We know he triumphed over principle. What actually happened, we don't know. Right? But we know how he walked on earth. So you know, Moses, how he walked on earth. And God thinks all things are possible to him, him or her who believes. And for our that all things is only one block. Primary one block. Meaning you have faith, you have heard, you understand, everything is there, you know, I've been taught how to pray, you know what fasting is, you know, you know what praise is, you can sing like a lark, or a swallow, you know, you got musical skills, I mean, you don't need a voice, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you have a good voice, praise God, 
good for people not for god god does not look at the tone of your voice he looks at the tone of your heart you know so you got all this it one thing one thing blocks please understand this as i close i read a story i read a story about a little boy whose mother in the communist nation his mother was a believer taught him about christ about loving about forgiving and everything and one day the communists found out and uh, his mother was arrested every day every year for his mother's birthday he used to make pluck flowers and make make a bouquet and give it to his mother but that year his mother was arrested and she was executed so he was taking the bouquet made a bouquet and uh, was taking it to the graveyard to put it on the graveyard of his mother and on the way he suddenly really heard uh, remembered his mother's words saying son we must love our enemies that's what jesus has taught us we must love our enemies so you know what he walked straight into the 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 captain the police captain who had executed his mother walked to his office and said sir today is my mother's birthday and my mother said we should love our enemies that's how jesus has taught so i made this bouquet for my mother and i want to give it to you you know that hardened man broke into tears and he became a christian and then he went into prison for being a believer i mean i could tell you countless stories <laughs> these are stories because they believed they put it into practice okay faith comes from and faith stays from doing otherwise it comes and it goes and this is his teaching them how faith will stay you know don't mistake gifts for a life of faith okay that's what we are mistaking we see gifts and great works of gifts and all that don't look at that don't look at that okay that's why when i look at the life of moses and the life of joshua that's what i see the difference you will never see joshua mentoring anybody you will never see joshua crying out for somebody it's all about battles and victory that's a young man in one john what you don't see you use look at moses every cry every prayer every battle is for others so you have two pictures side by side of moses and joshua joshua learned so many things from moses one thing he did not learn from moses was to become like moses so you read the book of judges it starts falling apart as for me and my house moses never said that you know that moses never said that if you look at that we like like it but if you look at the tone of it who is this person who is saying as for me and my house joshua you have no right to say that you are the leader of this nation you should say as for me and my nation we shall serve the lord get ready get ready and mentor entire generation of leaders to take over 
after you have. He doesn't do that. The next leader you will see somebody who is related to Caleb and not Joshua. That's that's where Joshua failed. And God doesn't change these things. Because he cannot create a heart in somebody. He can create all the situation. And ultimately you have to believe and make your choices. Your free will is there. You know, And you have to listen. We are in this last days. Scripture talks about offenses will come. More and more and more offensive. People are going to get really, really offensive. I'm telling you, especially if you're a believer. You look at Fox News today in the front. I don't know what that guy's name is. That guy has said, I wanna, I mean, leftist intellectuals. You know what he says? He says, unless that has gone down. Okay, that, it was there in the morning. He said all the statues of Jesus Christ should be taken off because it's a symbol of white supremacy. Didn't I tell you this earlier? Pardon? Yeah, somebody, I don't even know him. But they will put, it all come in the news. Did I tell you that? They're going to be offended. Don't get offended when they call Jesus all kind of names and all. Don't come this fleshly, this thing and all. He can take care of himself. Okay. Okay. We don't have to be like uh, Gentiles fighting for their gods. Our God is valuable and more. No? All we have to do is that when they become offensive, the way we react will show them who our God is. Our God is a merciful, loving, kind God in spite of all the offenses that is thrown at him. That is the key. When they are offensive and we become offensive, that's the picture of our God we are giving them. So be very, very careful. In the last days, it's going to be very, very offensive. And especially us who believe, who really, really believe in the word of God and the life of God, are going. they are going to come after us because we love homosexuals. We do not accept homosexuality. We believe it's an abomination to our God. What is sin? As we were saying, in the sight of God. In the sight of man legalized, it is not a sin. But it is a sin in the sight of God. Therefore, it is a sin for us. Transgender, we don't accept. It is not right in the sight of God. So many of these are all coming out. And every platform will be like that. You may lose your jobs. Right now, they don't ask you anything. But a day will come also, they will say that you can only come work, work in your company if you agree to all those things. And then you realize you cannot agree. You cannot be... Uh, now you can be quiet, but then you will not be able to be quiet too. You will be asked to sign in the dot that you accept all these things. Then you will realize, you know what? But you don't have to be offensive about it. You don't have to be offensive about it. Okay. You don't have to be offensive about it. And you need to realize it's coming. It is coming. Here also it will come. They will make Christianity the white man's religion. Man's religion, Islam as a distinct religion, Christianity after that, the white man's religion that everybody has to accept. They are Hindu first. Can be a Christian Hindu, a Hindu Christian. It will all come. And the question is, all kind of people will turn around. There will be a lot of weak people in your families and all that who will say, "What is this big thing? Come on!" And you will be targeted. And the question, God is, is the issue is not all these things will happen. How will you react? Will you react like David? Or like the sons of Zeruiah. Let us take their head off. David says, wait a second. They are, they are, 
they are actually not throwing stones at you. They're throwing stones at me. You are getting it only because you are with me. I am not offended. Why are you offended? Why are you offended? Why are you offended? I'm not offended. Okay. And we have to look at it and say, Lord, make me like you. If you are not offended, I will not be offended. Whatever you are offended about, I am offended about it. Whatever you are not offended about, I am not offended about it. I don't want to have a life apart from you. You know? So you will see how Jesus, where Jesus' anger comes when he comes into the temple and he is upset about that. When he looks at the Pharisees who are keeping people in bondage and sickness because of their silly loss and he is offended. Okay. But he's not offended by anything that they tell about him. It's not bother him at all. Okay. So get this picture very, very, very clear in your mind because these are roadblocks. God can restore anybody. Even a whole nation. When America can be restored. It's not make America great again. No. Make America godly again. That's how restoration comes. It's not great again. No nation should be great if it is not godly. If it is great without being godly, that nation will be cast down. Every nation that was great was cast down because it was not godly. From Babylon onwards has been cast down. But any nation that is godly. So ultimately God will have a nation which is called a holy nation. It will never be cast down. It will be lifted up. It will be lifted up. And say, Lord, I want to be part of that nation. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. All around the world, Lord, we see the knives are out for your children. In every sphere, Lord. And I pray your children, we will have the heart to react the correct way. And somebody hits us on one cheek, we will not hit back. We will not be offended. We will turn the other cheek, meaning we will still continue serving them. Because we are serving you. Deal with our heart law. Like I showed Moses. It was only at the age of 80 Moses realized the state of his heart. It's only when Nathan came and accosted David. David understood the state of his heart. None of us know of the state of our heart unless you show it us, O Lord. Change us from within, Lord. Make us like you. Help us, Lord. Help us not to be offended. Like Job. Not offended. Lost everything. His wife was offended. Job was not. He knew. You gave, you took. You have the right to take it away. If we have a name, you have the right to take it away. Can give a name and take away a name. Can give us health and take away our health. Can give us a family and take us our family away. Can give us positions and take the positions away. All we can do is bow our heads down and worship you. Because we came naked, we will go naked. We came with nothing, we'll go with nothing. 
we have no right to be offended. Help us to have a realistic picture of who we are in your sight, O God. We did nothing, we achieved nothing. The end, all of creation will know and acknowledge it was all about you and you alone. And blessed is he or her who knows it now, that it's all about you and you alone. And to that we surrender ourselves, O Lord. Let it be about you. Let us all be able to say this life that I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me. I no longer live by sight. I love by faith. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.